Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style On the Social Suplex Podcast Network I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan Alongside my co-host, the young boy, Josh Smith Josh, how you doing? You know, man, they said it couldn't be done. They said we wouldn't be back. We're here. We're in the house. I got two words for you. Social Suplex Network, we're taking over. (laughs) This is where the big boys play on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. You know, I really wanted to call this the once in a lifetime or one in 1,000 podcast, but Jeremy wouldn't let me do it. He thought Ace of Podcast sounded better. (laughs) But I'm a Tanahashi. I mean, it's Tanahashi either way. Whatever. All right. We are we are the Ace Podcast, and you can uh, find us on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Where? Make sure you subscribe on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast. You can find us. Type in Social Suplex Podcast Network and go ahead and leave us that Dave Meltzer five star rating. Five star special. No four and a half. No two and three quarters. None of that crap. Five stars. We need it. We'll pay for it. Not really, but whatever. So uh, this week we're going to start off um, by talking about the World Tag League, which is happening right now. And as of this recording, uh, the finals have not happened yet, but this episode will be dropping... Um, a few days before? Uh, no, this episode drops like a day after the finals. Okay. So on next week's episode, we will have full coverage of the uh, Royal Tag League finals. And uh, I, I mean, if anyone out there is really following it to the, to the extent that they're already going to have seen the finals by the time they catch our podcast, I mean, God bless them. It's the World Tag League. I think we're all kind of cherry picking at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we always talk about um, WWE's off season is usually the fall time. They don't have an off season. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, kill those guys. Uh, well, it's off season as far as creative stuff as far as storylines like usually nothing hot happens in the fall during wwe so the world tag league is like the off season for new japan so to speak there's not that much that's really happening in the world tag league 
Um, the matches are, you know, decent. You're going to see a lot of three stars, three and a half uh, tag team matches, but nothing out of this world. So, I mean, honestly, this tournament is, you know, cherry pick worthy. You can find the best matches and kind of watch them. It's not, I mean, you're not going to get lost if you don't keep up with the whole tournament. You literally, that is one of the things about... <laughs> <laughs> about New Japan is um, you could stop at Power Struggle and then uh, what that's in November yes and then pick literally right back up on January 4th and uh, you'd be fine yeah you'd be fine I mean you'll miss some good wrestling and if you're a fan of the product which I'm sure you are because you're listening to this podcast you'll see good wrestling matches but for storyline uh, it's minimal it's minimal. You don't have to, but uh, we're marks for this stuff. We love it, and uh, we're going to cover it. So, I mean, right. that's what we're doing. And another thing about the World Tag League, is it's it's kind of weird to watch because it's uh, – first, there's no announcers for any of the matches except, except the first – the day one show was the, a full – shows. was a full show. There's no announcers. It's one single cam. Is it uh, single cam for every show? Yes. Pretty much everything I've seen so far has all been single cam. You know, I like the single cam. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about how New Japan has a, a sport presentation style, but when I watch the single cam shots, even though most sports aren't shot that way, there's something about that presentation that, I don't know, for me it's weird. It's just like, this is like a real sport all of a sudden, you know? It, it doesn't have a, the glitz and glamour of like the you know, six camera crew setup that like uh, a North American or even, you know, New Japan has a great camera production team, but it, it's kind of different. I kind of enjoy it sometimes just seeing that. Yeah, cam. Uh, it's definitely a new, I didn't, didn't bother me. I mean, it's definitely you have to get used to it. Um, but if it, you've ever watched World of Sport, it's very reminiscent of World of Sport in the 70s and 80s. Maybe that's why I like it. Yeah. Just watch, I don't know. <laughs> and as somebody who's used to watching WWE, it's definitely going to be like a big uh, change for them. Um, and they're definitely smaller, more intimate crowds, uh, but it's still cool. So pretty much a little bit, give you a little history of exactly what the World Tag League is. You know, it's a round-robin tag team tournament, and it's a spin-off of the G1 Climax, which is a, which is a singles uh, round-robin tournament that happens every summer. Well, uh, I mean, you can go further back, Jeremy. Um, just recently, actually, they were talking about it. So, you know, giving you a brief history lesson, not you, but like the fans. Yeah, go ahead. The historian. <laughs> brief history lesson, you know. Um, when Ricky Dozen and uh, Kimura first started, uh, you know, bringing professional wrestling to Japan in the, you know, post-World War II era, um, most of their big shows were tag teams. Um, wrestling in New Japan was always headlined and main evented by tag teams. You still see that. To I mean, today, yes, for the big shows, there are singles titles runs, but for most of the minor shows and most of the... Uh, you know the the road to shows and things like that. You're gonna see tag teams headline because that that is what um, drew the the crowds and it carried in the tradition. Ricky Dozan started that and it carried through to All Japan and New Japan after JWA closed in the 70s. Um, this is a like uh, it's a round robin spinoff of the I forget what they had in JWA, but they also had a tag league. Um, that was very very similar and in uh all japan they had the all japan 
they have the same tournament basically and new japan has the same tournament so you know tournaments are because the sport presentation are a huge deal new japan has not always been the most tag team oriented promotion per se and that still carries through today i mean they have a lot of tag teams they have great tag team matches but it's just not an emphasis of their programming and exactly usually a a lot doesn't get booked into the tag division it's almost like the wwe cruiserweight division (laughs) except for heavyweights tend to still get a heavier like a heavier emphasis on the card so if even though the tag the heavyweight tag division has been somewhat abysmal this year as it has been for several years for some reason they're still always at the top middle of the card right even though there's better openers and better matches beneath them right and so um you know the whole thing of the tag league the winning team um gets a title shot at the iwgp tag titles at wrestle kingdom as long as it's not the champion because the tag champions are in the tournament so if the tag champions win the tournament i guess there'll be some other way to determine the number one contender um and also how this works it's under a point system so you get two points for a win uh, one point for a draw, and of course you get zero points if you lose. And like I mentioned earlier, it's round robin. There's two blocks: you get a block, and a block, and B block. All the A blocks team wrestles each other. You get a winner. All the B team, B block teams wrestle each other. You get a winner. And then the finals: the A uh, block winner and the B block winners meet to get your overall uh, World Tag League um, winners. The World Tag League. That was the name of the original tournament that they ran in uh, JWA, which uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, the uh, JWA was the original premier wrestling promotion in Japan, the Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, essentially. Kind of like the NWA, how everything kind of stems from the NWA here in America. Everything kind of stems from JWA. New Japan and All Japan split off from JWA, and they had the World uh, it was called the World Tag League, and it ran from 1970 to 1972. Uh, JWA folds in 73, right after New Japan All Japan take all the stars. But uh, yeah, and uh, they even had uh, in the very first um, World Tag League, Antonio Inoki. Actually, Inoki won the first two in 1970, 1971. On different tag teams, so I mean, he's the you know he's the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he took that idea, um, and so did Baba Giant Baba, who founded All Japan. They took this idea and rolled it into New Japan. So I mean, you know this this tag league has been going on for years under different names since the seventies. Right. I mean, at one point it was the uh, G One Tag League. Right. It was the Super Grade Tag League. The Madison Square Garden Tag League, yeah. like Hogan was in it, Hanson, yeah, Andre, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Bob Backlund, lots of big gaijin talent uh, right. over the years. Um, and speaking of um, big gaijin talent, um, this year's edition of the World Tag League has uh, seen the debuts of a lot of gaijins to uh, New Japan. Um, one of the debuts, uh, Chucky T. He's <laughs> teaming with uh, Trent Beretta. They are the best friends. They are a Ring of Honor tag team, also a PWG tag team. Um, you have Jeff Cobb. Uh, some of you might know as Matanza from Lucha Underground. He's teaming up with Michael Elgin. Um, That's like uh, the biggest little guy <laughs> tag <laughs> they, team ever. They are awesome. short and wide, but they are awesome. 
Um, and then also there is uh, Sammy Callahan, who's teaming with Juice Robinson, who you might know as CJ Parker from NXT. They are the team of Death Juice. That's a weird. I it's, still it's such it's a, a weird weir- team. A very weird team. So let's Josh, let's talk about a couple of these guys. Uh, starting with Chucky e. T. We actually got to see him in action at the Ring of Honor tapings in Lakeland. Um, him and Beretta. Uh, and uh, Rocky Romero took on uh, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. What do you think about Chucky e. T? You know, I got to be honest with you. So I wasn't following. I follow New Japan, you know, uh, but Ring of Honor, I don't follow it as much as I probably should. I wasn't even. I knew that. Obviously, I knew Tremperetta and Rocky Romero broke up this past year and had, you know, they were doing different things within chaos. I didn't know about this best friends tag team until we went to see them. They were awesome. Uh and he's called Chucky e. T now, but that's Chuck Taylor, right? Right, Chuck Taylor, yep. I don't really think I've seen too much of Chuck Taylor, to be honest with you. I knew he was in Chikara, and he was like a head trainer at Wrestle Factory, or I think that's what it's called. Um, I've heard the name over the years, but, I mean, what do you know about Chuck Taylor? Because I don't know that Hon- much. Honestly, I don't know that much about him. I mean, I've heard about him, um, PWG, and all the awesome matches he has in PWG and like you said like I've heard his name throughout the years but I've never really seen anything solid he and he recently just came to Ring of Honor and I watched Ring of Honor kind of on and off so um what, what's the deal with the best friends gimmick are are they like is it supposed to be that in real life they're actually best friends yeah I think with the whole gimmick I think like they knew each other like from childhood or something like that and so now they're kind of running this whole best friend gimmicks they uh, hold each other's hands one of their big <laughs> big spots in the match is they do a hug. I, I, I loved how when we went to see them in Lakeland, they kept hugging, but Rocky Romero was like the outside friend, like like uh, basically Trump Beretta's like, I got my best friend over here and I got my best friend over here, but the two best friends don't like each other. Right. You know? And uh, I really dig that gimmick and uh, when they finally the moment that we saw the six man tag match, and if you uh, if you're listening to this right now, I don't know when it's gonna air, but we watched a six man tag in Lakeland with uh, the those three guys against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Awesome match. It's going to air on free TV. Um, I don't... What are they running on? Comet still? Yeah. Also, I mean, probably the easiest way to watch it, you go to... Online? R- oh, yeah. Online, com. They have the on-demand section. Or you can download the Fight TV app. That's F-I-T-E, Fight TV app. Um, they air Ring of Honor every Monday at 7, right before Raw comes on. Um, I think so, they just got a new a new TV deal, uh, like online or something like that. Yeah, and they Ring of Honor did announce that they are planning to launch their own streaming service in 2018. So be on the lookout for that. So um, Chucky e. T and the whole best friend thing with Beretta is definitely funny. Um, their first match in the World Tag League, um, you can definitely tell the crowd. You know, obviously they weren't familiar with the whole best friend things, <laughs> with them hugging and holding hands. But um, as they work throughout the tournament, you can see the crowd. Are they start, start to get it. Yeah, they're starting to understand the whole best friends gimmick. And I think they are a great addition to the heavyweight tag team scene. And I think if New Japan. They need them. Yes, if New Japan can. Because uh, Beretta is already a signed New Japan guy. If they go ahead and sign Chucky e. T and make the best friends a full time heavyweight tag team, that would be a great uh, thing to lift that tag division up. Well, this 
Well, a couple things. One, when we saw them, and the the one spot for the match that I really popped for was when Rocky Romero, Chucky e. T, and Trent Beretta finally all decided to hug together. Yeah, the big hug. The big hug as a group, because all throughout the match, they kept teasing that they're going to do the hug, but they kept excluding Rocky Romero. So funny. <laughs> yeah. But um, for me, I'd never seen those guys work together. I know Trent Beretta, but I got the gimmick right away just yeah. because they te- they're good at tell- telling stories. Right. This past year, when Trent Beretta... Uh, when they lost the, the match, Rapongi Vice lost that match to the Young Bucks at the G1 special, and they announced he was going to go off as an own. I was like, that's great. You know, this guy's going to be awesome in the heavyweight division, but they're so loaded with talent. He's awesome. And uh, he's one of the, you know, misused guys from WWE that's thriving on the indies. But is there really a place for him in the in the upper mid card yes but in the main event scene maybe if they got behind but right now probably not yeah i think he'd be better off um in the best friends tag team exactly working that heavyweight tag division they're actually the number one contenders for the ring of honor tag titles we're going to talk about final battle a little bit later they're going to be facing uh, the machine guns at final battle but we'll talk about that later um as much as they've like hot shotted the titles in recent years and kind of uh made them not that important they're still prestige in the eyes of the Japanese fans and there's still uh, credibility when you hold that belt and so because they go off a ranking system so the fact that Trent Beretta is a heavyweight tag team and not a junior tag team it helps him bridge that gap between finding his footing and the fact of the matter is this past year has been pretty abysmal when it comes to heavyweight and I mean it's been that way for several years right. so to bring in a guy like Chuck T and Trent Beretta who can these guys are really athletic they can, they can work their really, ass off they yeah. freaking work and um, they can get good matches out of pretty much any of those heavyweight guys and they're small enough to where they're big enough to be heavyweights but they're small enough to uh, let these guys get heat off them while they're working and they can play cowardly heels too so I mean it's it's a really good spot for Trent Beretta if they keep if they do in fact keep Chuck Taylor. I don't know if they are or not, but they right. should. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll find out eventually what who's going to get signed after this uh, tournament concludes. And then we met uh, we mentioned uh, Jeff Cobb. He's teaming with Michael Elgin. What a freaking team, dude! Uh, Jeff Cobb. He's a definitely an indie darling. He's been having amazing matches with guys like uh, Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. I saw him have a good match last year at Mania during Rev Pro. He lost to Martin Stone. That was the first time I saw him live. Uh, obviously, he's he's the monster Montenzo Cueto, who uh, it was funny when he debuted on that show. We got built up for years this monster, and then this uh, short guy comes out, yeah. and you're and they they've been building it like he was Big Show size or something, you know. And you're like, what? Or like Great Kali, and he comes out, and you're like, what is this? And then when he starts destroying dudes yeah he's, he's so believable yeah because i mean he might be short but he is wide he's jacked he's a former olympian he has those amazing suplexes he's a suplex machine and dude. um he's just he has that freaky uh cesaro strength uh he might be stronger than cesaro bro yeah and then you have put so you put him in a team with Michael Elgin, who's pretty much almost the same exact body build. I think Cobb might be a little bit bigger. I don't um, know. Elgin, I think Elgin's a little taller. Yeah, but Elgin might be a little bit taller, but I think uh, Cobb's a little bit wider. And um, their tag matches have been great so far. Just seeing uh, Cobb just throwing people around, and the Japan crowd is really 
taking a liking to Cobb of because he's a big dude as far as being you know strong and he's just tossing everybody around with suplexes. I mean, they're right there in that whole uh, you know there's a there's this tradition in Japan of these gaijin because of the sport centric uh, nature of Japanese wrestling, um, and of course there, there's other types of Japanese wrestling, but on the the big leagues it's so sports centered. You have this history of big athletic guys like Big Van Vader, Stan Hansen, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, um, you know. Which, uh, Dr. Death is, uh, reminds me a lot, Michael Elgin reminds me a lot of Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Yeah, um, Scott Norton. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, the one guy who's in the uh, the Rocks family who was in, uh, who was in uh, UWF who was always... Uh, suplexing everybody. I forget his name. He also wore he always wore the red singlet. Dang it, I forgot. But um, I'll, I'll find out. But <laughs> but there these got these um these guys would go over there and they would present themselves for the most part like sports centered you know giant American you know dudes who could suplex and Larry and you know powerbomb the crap out of you right. and that's what Elgin when Elgin first came in the G1 I was like he's perfectly made for New Japan Cobb's the same way yeah and I think I mean that's another guy whether they sign him to be in a tag team or sign him to be singles I think Jeff Cobb can have a great uh, run in New Japan wrestling. I mean, they don't seem to have a really high spot for Michael Elgin right now. So why not um, sticking with Cobb for the rest of the year and, like we said, help that uh, heavyweight tag division out and run Cobb and Elgin as a full-time tag team? I think that would definitely uh, create some fresh matchups for that heavyweight tag division and uh, bring some intrigue to it. Gary Albright. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Gary Albright, that's who that was. Oh, Gary Albright yeah. was freaking... Uh, you ever seen him wrestle? Yes, I have, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, he was and a he was, a, he was actually a legit uh, shooter. He could yeah. really, like, fight and really wrestle. He's awesome. Um, but, yeah, that tag team is so intriguing to me. Now, the, the, the big thing here that we're, we've been talking about is... Um, you know what's going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom? There was many fans who were like, "You, you got these two awesome gaijin coming in this this gimmick. We don't have a place for Michael Elgin on the main card yet, and he's one of the top stars. Could he be in that tag uh, lineup for Wrestle Kingdom?" And from what I'm hearing, and there's been a lot of speculation as of yet, Jeff Cobb is not signed to New Japan, and Jeff Cobb is not booked for Wrestle Kingdom in any capacity. Which I mean. That could change. It could change, but, but it's not likely. They're like tournament favorites, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of fans want to see them be one of the main guys that mm-hmm. that either win the tournament or play a part in that. And uh, so far, they're they're doing well in the tournament. Uh, I don't. They haven't lost yet, right? Uh, yes, they have. They as did? of right, yeah. Because as of this recording, um, the in the B block standings, they only have four points. Gotcha. Uh, um. And the, the B block is so much better than the A block. Yeah, this the year. B block is stacked. Um, you have War Machine, Killer Elite Squad, The Best Friends, Gorillas of Destiny, uh, like we mentioned, Cobb and Elgin, and then uh, there's they, they, Ishii and Yano and uh, Finley and Kitamura and uh, Henare and uh, Togi Makabe. So what? That's like the Raw show, and then uh, the other one's the SmackDown show. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, the A block you have Suzuki and Izuka, which is just 
a rough team. I'm sad to say that because Suzuki's one of my favorite guys, right. and they are awful. I mean, out of all the people in Suzuki Gun, they could have picked anybody else to be. They should have put him in there with Desperado. Right. Anybody could have been. Taka. Seriously, yeah, but they chose Azuka, and that's those matches have been. Ugh. They they basically took the three top teams of this past year in the heavyweight division. They took Killer Elite Squad, War Machine, and God, who they've all been feuding, and they put them in the same block. Yeah, I would have put one of those teams in the A block. Desperately needed it. Well, it's very confusing because um, what they do many times on these shows, and they did this last year, God. Ended up running on the opposite end, and in the finals, they ended up beating the tag champions. Isn't that how it went? I'll have uh, to look again. I Actually, thought I uh, Makabe... Um, yeah, they went up against Makabe and Hanma. Oh, right. they lost to Makabe yeah, and Hanma. Lost. That's right. But uh, the reason I, I remember it, you know why I'm thinking of they won, was because they won the, uh, the Spiritual Award where they had a great match. And they sucked all year. <laughs> G.O.D. is so much better now than they were a year ago. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so but the fact the fact of the matter was Makabe and Hanma, I think didn't G.O.D. beat the champions in the tournament, and that's why they ended up in the uh, triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, I believe so. So yeah, so many times if you beat the champions in the tournament, you have a future. Even if you don't win the tournament, you have a uh, title shot down the road. But if you win the tournament, you get a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. Many times they'll book multi. Last year they did it as a multi man match. Yeah. Um, and then another one of the guys in set. Last one that uh, we should talk about is uh, Sammy Callahan. He's also in the A block. Uh, teaming with Juice Robinson, they call themselves the Deaf Juice. Uh, both of these guys, uh, uh, former NXT stars, Juice Robinson was CJ Parker, Sammy Callahan was uh, Solomon Crow. I always forget his name was Solomon Crow. I yeah. just miss Sammy Callahan. Yeah, both of these guys um, misused by. NXT. Well, for me, I'm not really a big Sammy Callahan fan. I don't know what it is. I've been watching him in Ring of Honor in the Indies, and I saw his run in NXT, and I just don't get it. I've never really bought into him, and I've never really been into his matches. And then uh, the stuff he's doing now here in Japan, he has this new gimmick where he, like, kisses his opponents on the lips and he's spitting on people it's really weird that that has been weird i will say i liked his gimmick a lot in lucha underground his he's had some he had some awesome tag matches last year in evolve i'm not gonna sit here and say i'm an expert on sammy callahan i haven't seen everything he's done i saw him in nxt i thought his promo work right out the gate was really good i thought he was gonna be a star and then nothing happened with that um, I did see him wrestle last year at RevPro at WrestleMania weekend. He, uh, I actually saw him wrestle the young boy, Jay White. <laughs> you mean uh, Switchblade? Switchblade. Jay White. <laughs> uh, I saw Jay White uh, beat that man with a uh, Boston Crab, which is pretty dope. <laughs> but um, he, he's definitely a great – he's a good worker. Uh, he's got a cool character. Uh, now, I got to admit to you guys, at this current time, I promise you, by the time we finish recording the follow-up episode that will drop after the finals, I will have seen all the matches that I want to see from this tournament. (laughs) I can't tell you that I'm going to watch everything, but I will have watched something from everybody, and I'll watch the stuff that is highly recommended and, you know, what I think is interesting. I don't think very many people can actually watch the entire tournament if we're just being realistic. 
with that being said, um, I haven't seen the gimmick, but I've I heard about him like kissing Kojima. Yeah, he's kissed Kojima and like pretty much all his opponents, even like his partner Juice. He'll kiss, and then it's a lot of like spitting on his opponents too. It's I saw a really funny uh, interview after the uh, after that night where Tenzan was like. Why did he kiss Kojima? <laughs> he said, even I haven't kissed Kojima. <laughs> and then he like, I think he was making a joke, but it's always hard to tell because it's in Japanese. He's like, he like acted like he was crying. He's like, he stole Kojima from me. <laughs> um, so those are like the three, uh, you know, foreign stars that have been brought in. Um, talking more about these blocks, I do think it's interesting because... I mean, are the champions going to go... The champions right now are Killer Elite Squad, right? Right, and that's the team of Davey Boy Smith Jr. That's the son of the British Bulldog. And Lance Archer, you might remember Lance Archer. He, he was um, a pretty uh, big star in TNA. He teamed up with Kid Cash. And then he had a small run in uh, WWE ECW as Vance Archer. Oh, that's right, Vance Archer. Um, so he, he's, They've been on Ring of Honor television. I've seen them wrestle there. They've been killing it on the indies. They've killed it overseas especially they were uh, big stars in Noah I think they re- did they wrestle in all Japan I'm pretty sure Killer Elite Squad I think was there. so I mean these guys have great size I'm surprised I mean this is a team I think Vince McMahon would sign up in a heartbeat if he saw them um, he would have to watch Japanese wrestling first right I mean well I'm sure somebody <laughs> would just show him a picture and he'll be like god damn pal <laughs> sign that uh, Bulldog Jr. and that and Lance guy <laughs> Oh, um, man. But uh, so I'm wondering, like, are they going to go undefeated and then lose in the finals, which they've done in the past? But, I mean, all, all the best teams that you would want to see them wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom are in the same block as them. Right. Which makes me think they're probably, I don't know how they're going to do it, but maybe they end up doing some kind of multi-man tag match. Well, the, for years they did that with the juniors. Right. They yeah. they did like the junior tag and multi-mans, and then they broke that this past year with the Young Bucks. Yeah, they're challenging uh, Rapungi 3K. Is that what they're doing? Yes. That's the official match? Yeah. So they're not doing a multi-man? No, it's Young Bucks versus Rapungi 3K. Well, we got to get multiple guys on this card right now, because the, the... And hats off to New Japan right now for having this card so fully booked almost already. Um, does it take away some of the intrigue a little bit? Yeah. Yes. But I mean, how many years have we watched WWE and been like a month, three weeks away and we still don't know some of the matches, you know, that are going to happen at WrestleMania? Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. And like uh, we're, we were in November, early November. We knew we were in August. We already knew the main event. We knew the majority of the big matches that were going to happen. And they were well booked, too. No one's compl- – no, I haven't heard anyone on any message boards being like uh, complaining about this, the booking of this show. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, Killer Elite Squad's going to win the tournament and then they're going to do a multi-man match at Wrestle Kingdom is my, my guess right now. They did a they did a really cool interview. Uh, it's on New Japan, uh, their website right now. You can also catch it online with Sonata and Evil. And uh, they were in full character gimmick mode while they were talking. And well, I think they kind of just do that over in Japan, anyways. Like they don't really write character. They don't expose the business. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they were like talking about who they don't want to face in the tournament. And they came straight out and said they really didn't want to face Davy Boy and Lance Archer. Um, And they kind of said because they were too greasy. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Sonata said that uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. looks like he's just super oily and he just he'll be slipping around trying to do moves up to him 
That kind of brings me back to like Greece. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard about Grease Gate and the UFC. With no. B- BJ Penn when he fought GSP, and uh, they said that they actually changed the rules in the UFC because they used to uh, put the uh, Vaseline on the or on the guy's face. Yeah. And apparently GSP wiped it off and put it on his body because they put excess. And so BJ said he couldn't beat him because he was too slippery. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what Sonata said. Yeah, Sonata's on that. That uh, Davey boy is too slippery. But um, I mean that the the B block is is awesome. Plus, like um, looking at some of the other teams just right off the bat, like Dave Finley is due for a push, man. That's one of those guys that I thought was going to break out this year and really didn't. Yeah, uh, they pretty they chose uh, Jay White over Dave Finley. Um, for the push there because both of those guys are young lions and were kind of in the same class and they they often team together on shows but uh, they sent Jay White on an excursion to Ring of Honor and now he's back with the Switchblade character they should send Davey to like ICW or like Progress right maybe send him back to Europe because of his dad and let him just do that you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Dave if fin- they're not going to push the guy. Yeah. He definitely needs an excursion somewhere and then come back with something different. Uh, he He's teaming up with um, Kita Mora, who's a young lion. Who's like, I would say, would you agree is like the standout of that class right now? Yes. Between, I think he's the head trainer too. Between, like the senpai. Yeah. Between him and Kawato those guys are the two top young lions and we're going to explain to you guys all about what a young lion is a little bit later when we talk about the young lions cup um but yeah kitamura he's pretty much uh size wise like a japanese brock lesnar this guy is huge you know what i you know what i am so sorry (laughs) because i still sometimes get some of these guys uh confused kitamura is definitely not the standout. It's definitely Kawato. Kawato's well, the standout. Well, I mean, I think I like I think Kitamura has been a standout too and what I've seen from his look. From his look, I mean, but even like in some of his matches which we'll talk about a little bit later in the Young Lions Cup, I mean, he's done a lot of selling and Yeah, he sells a lot and he's he's he sells pretty good. Some of his office offense is very uh it's it's not it's not fluid yet you know what I right mean? you can tell there's a huge difference because he didn't start till this year even though he was in the same class as like uh like oka and some of those guys but he started a year later and there's a huge difference because he hasn't been wrestling the way that they have i think he'll be good in time but he is older so i think they're wanting to uh pull the you know trigger, the trigger on with him. him yeah he's got a great look but um yeah i confused him with, with uh kawato kawato because kawato is the man yeah um, we'll talk about those guys a little bit later in the Young Lions Cup. Um, let's see, some other teams in here. And the A Block, another uh, kind of weird thing they did, they put two Bullet Club teams in the A Block. You have the team of Hangman Page and uh, Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pimp. And then also the team of Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Those are the two Bullet Club teams in the A block, and they got they had to face off against each other. Uh, I did see that match actually. It's the only match I saw. <laughs> um, I don't know why it was on like Twitter, and I just checked it out. What I liked about it was that when the match started, so we get this in the G one all the time when these uh, guys start out like where. Like, oh, you lay down, and then, oh, I'm going to pin you. And then the other guy is like, no, I'm not going to. And then he kicks out. And you didn't really get that with this match. They kind of actually wrestled. 
Right. Well, at first, you know, they were kind of just uh, two sweeting each other and just kind of hugging it out and kind of going slow. But then as the match picked up, then they started kind of wrestling each other and trying to get the one up on each other. And so it was in a, in a way kind of a comedy match in uh Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens ended up winning that match. Chase Owens stole the pin off of uh, Hangman Page of a schoolboy, which caused a little argument at the end of the match, but ultimately they uh, all two sweeted each other. Well, Hangman Page was trying to get them to do the one sweet <laughs> since, you know, they got the cease and desist, and there was a backstage uh, segment, one of the backstage interviews, Hangman Page was trying to explain to them that they got a cease and desist and they, <laughs> they can't do the two sweet anymore. They should be doing the one sweet, but all the other book, all those guys were like, no, we want to do two sweets. Well, because <laughs> some of them are real Bullet Club members, and some of them, I, to me now, it's like. Uh, NWO red and black and NWO black and white. Right. It's sort of like that a little bit. Like to me, and it, maybe it's just me, but the guys in Japan are the real Bullet Club members. Everyone else is just kind of an extension. Well, I mean, technically, yes, because the Bullet Club is owned by New Japan and they choose who goes in the Bullet Club. But on as far as a popularity level, I mean, guys like Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Takahashi. Uh, yeah, even the even the girls of Destiny, they're, they're come on, Tamatanga. I saw a guy dressed up like Tamatanga in Lakeland. Yeah, we did, but I'm saying like they kind of get forgotten because they're not on Ring of Honor and they're not on being the elite. Well, so they're kind of they're the Bullet Club members that are if not. They, if they seen. want notoriety, all they got to do is answer my emails that I've been sending out to them, so they can come on this show, the Asa Podcast. Get worldwide exposure, and we're gonna get them over. That's what yeah, we're here you, to do. You hear that, guys? Uh, you Bullet Club members that are not on being the elite, you come on, uh, keeping it strong style, and we'll get you over. Can you imagine, like, trying to have to- like a interview with Tamatanga? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I uh, I think I'd be like pretty, uh, like, I don't know, intimidated by that guy. Yeah. <laughs> His promo this last year at like the G one and uh, the, the the G one like conference and then during the G one match he had with Omega was pretty <laughs> was intense. Yeah. Um, so looking at some of these teams in the A block, I mean, you got Nakanishi and Nagata together, and I love Nagata. And Nakanishi's like done a lot for the sport, but I mean, that that third generation team right there, ugh, that's tough. They've, yeah, that's, they've only got one win anyways. Yeah. And you got Tenzan and you got Tenkozi, which. They held the titles this year, but it's 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 a nostalgia act almost at this point. Right. But even and even though it's a nostalgia act, they are still still pretty over. The crowd still they can still go knows all their spots. Well, Kojima can still go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Evil and Sonata is an awesome tag team. I'm yes. assuming they're probably the A block favorites still right yes and as of this recording i mean there's a one two three four five way tie right now for first place um so we'll see what happens i'm sure they will be favored i mean they were well they lost to juice and callahan and they lost to suzuki and izuka okay so going forward they've got ken uh ten koji and Goto and Yoshihashi, which uh, well, that's a chaos team. I would assume that they're gonna fit. I think they're gonna beat both those teams. Yeah, I and mean, finish with uh, what um, ten points. Yeah, and that's another team. Uh, Goto and Yoshihashi. I mean, 
like we were we talked about Yoshihashi in our debut episode and just it's just he's just missing something and um he's teamed up with Goto which I I love Goto. Sometimes uh I've heard Goto be compared to uh Dolph Ziggler in the fact that they're both really great wrestlers. They have some popularity but there just seems to be something missing to get them in as a main eventer, as a world champion, main eventing big shows. Well, the big difference there, though, is Ziggler's held a world title, and Goto never has. Right. But he's challenged many, many times unsuccessfully, and it's one of the things that actually adds prestige to that belt. The fact that a guy like Goto, who, um, you know, like a Ziggler, they gave Ziggler, like, some... uh, title runs just because because in the WWE everyone gets a title run in New Japan you could be Goto who maybe one day maybe not now but one day when it's all said and done might wind up with a Hall of Fame career and never hold that belt right uh, so that's pretty crazy but yeah he's a fantastic worker Chaos has kind of been in shambles over the last few years it looks like this year they were more uh, cohesive they try to bring some more co- cohesiveness to them but I mean, no one, no one realistically is expecting Goto and uh, Yoshihashi. I mean, maybe they would. They got to get him on the card somehow. Well, he's probably gonna be in the never uh, yeah. scene at Tokyo Dome, so I don't assume they're gonna do much better in the tournament going forward. Yeah. Um, and another chaos team that's in the B block: uh, Ishii and Toroyano. Um, and Toriyano uh, can kind of be described almost like a Santino Morella kind of of New Japan. He's a comedy wrestler. He looks for a lot of low blows. He pulls off the turnbuckle pads. You ever seen when he was a shooter? No, I have not. I heard he. I heard he was, um, but I have not seen that. I've only seen the comedy version of Yano, and I find it. Um, absolutely hilarious. It's hilarious. Him and uh, Kenny Omega had a hilarious match in the G1 this summer that a lot of uh, New Japan purists were not happy about, but I thought it was very entertaining. It's uh, pro wrestling, man. Right. It's the G1. You, you, come on. And they're another interesting team because you got Ishii, who is, you know, the stone pit bull, hard hitting guy. Uh, we call him the uh, the best, best bad, bad body, body wrestler, wrestler in the industry. I mean, he just destroys people in the ring. And then you have this goofball Toroyano, who's trying to you know win with a schoolboy or poking you in the eye or low blowing you. Well, they didn't win the G one or the tag tournaments last year, but they ended up in in there anyways because they stole the uh, trophies. Yes, uh, Yano was stealing his trophies, and then they stole the tag titles, and then they won at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> which i think many most of that is based on the fact that ishii is the iron man of new japan he's the unsung hero of new japan um he's not one of the top four guys but based on the fact that he's maybe better than i mean i'm saying this like I'm not uh, some. You can shoot me all you want. He might be the best wrestler in the world right now. Right. Okay. And, and, and I, I mean that's high praise. He's just as good as Omega or Okada or Naito right now. And the fact that you got that guy who can go and he puts his body on the line, and then you got Yano, who is one of the most popular. He's one of the most. He sells so much merchandise in Japan. He's one of the biggest stars they have over there, believe it or not, because his comedy act is so over. So that's why they won the tag titles. 
plus to kind of uh, bolster you know the strength of chaos as a uh, as a you know faction. as a faction yeah. going out of uh, G one last year or I'm sorry out of Wrestle Kingdom sorry excuse me. Um, so is there anything else we should be covering on the World Tag League? What are your so as we sit right now in the B block? Hanson and we didn't even talk about War oh Machine. War Machine yeah how can we forget about those guys we didn't really talk about Gorillas of Destiny either yeah all right let's talk about those two teams and they've actually been feuding a lot this year this year all year long uh, they wrestled so many times this year <laughs> they've been uh, pretty good matches though yeah we it, got we got to see um, Hanson at the Ring of Honor tape and for some reason Raymond Rowe was not there was he not there no because uh, Hanson got jumped by uh, Daniels and Kazarian and nobody came to save him and then Hans he was in that weird uh, the mixed match uh, eight man tag thing they did oh yeah yeah that was a good match yeah that was a good match um, so yeah War Machine they're a Ring of Honor tag team um They've been tag team champions. Um, they're the IWGB ch- champions right now. They're another one of those big gaijin. No, uh, Killer Elite Squad are the champions right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not the champions. I'm sorry. Excuse they me. were They were the champions. They champ- were the champions. Yeah. They just recently lost um, the titles to yeah. Killer Elite Squad. But they were the champions for a majority of, of the year. Of this year, yeah. Um, and they're another one of those teams that are very similar. They're, they're, their wrestling style is not similar to Elgin and Cobb, but... I mean, they're huge. they're huge. They're two huge Viking-looking guys. Um, and in Japan, that's gonna get over. Hanson, the stuff he does for his size is crazy. Um, he's out there, you know, doing dives and flips and drop downs and leap frogs. Um, I mean, this guy, he's 6'3", 293 pounds. And he's, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's out here flipping around like he's Seth Rollins, <laughs> um, diving and, or like he's Ricochet, diving and flipping all over the like place. Like he's Luke Harper. I'm excuse me, <laughs> Harper. Yeah. Um, he Brody, does, <laughs> yeah, Brody Lee. Brody Lee. He does suicide dives. I mean, Hanson is crazy. I like Roe, too. He has a lot of hard-hitting strikes. And they're, you know, been one of the few things that have been salvaging the heavyweight tag division. This past year. Yeah. Because they go out there and they put their work boots on. They work hard every time. And I think um, they they're, they kind of remind me a little bit of uh, Legion of Doom a little bit. Yeah, the Road Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, except, for, I mean, there, and we've got other members of the Social Suplex Network who are adamant that the Road Warriors suck. I am, I am vehemently opposed to that because in my book, the Road Warriors are the greatest tag team that dude. When I was a kid, dude, I loved the freaking Road Warriors. The Road dude. Warriors are awesome. The Road Warriors in Japan were awesome. Uh, in in my book, if we had to compare some of these teams to some of the teams of yesteryear. Hanson and Roe War Machine is going to be more similar to a Road Warriors, whereas Elgin and Cobb are going to be more similar to like a Steiner Brothers combo right. in this tournament. Yeah, this is great analogies. Um, and then let's talk about uh, Gorillas of Destiny. It's Tamatanga and Tangaloa. They are brothers and they are the sons of Haku. Of Ming. Yes. Yeah, King Haku. Um, the Tonga Kid. Was he the Tonga Kid? I don't know. I'm not 100% I can't, <laughs> I can't guess on that. Um, um, so it's a mixed bag with them. You have the nights where they're on and they're and they're good. They're great. And then you have the nights where they are just 
awful. Right. Um, Tangaloa, he was in uh, NXT as Camacho. You may remember him as Camacho. Um, he's gotten a lot better since those days, and Tamatango's also gotten a lot better since his early days in New Japan. He was good in the G1 this year. Yeah, he was really good in the G1. He was really um, good. He, you know what? Ah, oh, man. He, we, uh, we've we got the uh, New Japan Awards dropping. We might need to add him to uh, Most Improved of the Year. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, the, not those awards, we're going to be dropping them um, at the end of this week. And we're also going to be re- releasing a bonus show. Um, to- well, by the time that this show airs, it's already going to be out. Well, the the uh, the survey will be out. The but survey the, will be the out. bonus show will uh, drop a little bit after this, a couple days after this show. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about those year-end awards. But uh, yeah, Tamatonga's definitely improved. Uh, they, um, I mean, they were the champions at, at a certain point this year as well, right? Yes. And um, I mean, they're one of the highlight teams of the Bullet Club. Um, you know, they're kind of like the heavyweight tag team as opposed to uh, the Young Bucks being the junior tag team. And uh, they're good. You know, they're not always good, but when they're good, they're really good. They're one of the better tag teams in the world right now. Uh, at the end of, you know, at the end of the year, it's going to come down to their, their names are right up there with War Machine as being one of the better best tag teams of the year for New Japan. They're going to be one of the the candidates that I assume are going to get lots of votes. Right. I mean, War Machine, Gorillas of Destiny, and Killer Elite Squad are pretty much the three teams that have kind of been the backbone of the New Japan um, heavyweight tag division this year. Um, and the titles have kind of rotated between those three teams. And I mean... I mean, so War Machine got a win over Killer Elite Squad uh, during this tournament. So are we... I mean... It was probably already safe to assume that they were going to end up in the uh, at Wrestle Kingdom with them, but is that the route that they're going to go? Are they at this point? It almost feels like they're going to end up doing a four way again. Like yeah, that's what I, I feel like. Killer Elite Squad is going to end up winning this thing, and then they're going to do a four way with Killer Elite Squad, War Machine, Gorillas really? of Destiny. You think Killer Elite Squad's winning? Yeah. I think Killer Elite Squad's winning. See, I don't. I think Evil and Sonata are going to win. Okay. I don't know. I just, mean, just looking at New Japan booking in general, yeah. it seems like someone from the A block has to win, unless you think they're doing a triple threat. They could do another triple threat. I mean, they've just got done doing a triple triple threat program. I mean, Evil and Sonata could win also, and that gets the. But I mean, this is supposed to be for the number one contendership, and somehow they have to get to a multi man match. Well, it's pretty easy. Uh, all they got to do at this point, um, Killer Elite Squad. What do they have left? They got best friends, Hanari and Makabe, and they've got God. I could easily see God going over. Mm-hmm. So that I mean. I mean, do you want your tag team champions to, to take three losses in the tournament, though? That's no, a lot. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that's realistic, but I mean, I'm not the booker. I'm not Gato. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's realistically going to happen, but is it the craziest thing in the world to think that maybe the gorillas have. To, I mean, they got to do something at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, they, I mean, they do. So. So, I mean, could they, could Killer Elite Squad take three losses? And then, uh, I mean, let's face it, too. Um, Archer and Bulldog are not New Japan guys, even though they're there and they're signed. 
these are out. These are guys, Suzuki Gun guys, and Suzuki Gun guys are not necessarily strictly New Japan. They came over from NOAA. That's where they made the the majority of their name and all that notoriety. I do see them as being the type of tag team that has been brought in to elevate the New Japan tag teams. To, yeah, definitely. To, to, to take to take the falls to these guys so that they can, because they're uh, an established team with a big name. Big track record, former titleists, and I think that they're there to add credibility to, to the tag division by taking the losses. Right. I think um, in 2018, you know, definitely keep going with War Machine, Killer Elite Squad, and Girls of Destiny, but they need to they need to sign best friends. They need to sign Cobb and Elgin. Um, See, and I somewhat disagree with you to that point, Jeremy. I agree with like, yes, these are the, the, all the tag teams you named are awesome, but realistic. And yeah, I think in America, if they're going to do this U.S. expansion, those are all great guys to focus on. But in Japan, what really strong tag teams do they have for their product? You know that New Japan always likes to focus on building their homegrown talent, right? And everyone that we just listed. Are all guys? They're all guys and teams. I do think that at some point they're gonna need to boost one of these tag teams that are Japanese born and bred and bring them up. They got to because they don't have that right now. They haven't for a while. So it'll be interesting to see you know what develops. I think Tenkoji was like the last really dominant. Japanese tag team in the heavyweight division, really, if you think about it. Yeah, probably. They had an awesome run. Yeah, I mean, and, and, like, looking at these blocks, there's not really a strong... I mean, probably the strongest team, the strongest Japanese team is probably... Tenkoji. Uh, Tenkoji, and then maybe Evil and Sonata. Evil and Sonata, yeah. And that's why I'm kind of leaning towards the idea that maybe they run with Evil and Sonata. Because those two guys... Are the they're the top two guys uh, in the heavyweight division underneath Naito, and I mean yeah, the, are they going to do? Are they the triple? They're the triple threat. Yeah, they're the six man tag, tag champions, champions though, aren't they? Um, Evil Sonata and Bushi. There's the um could do double the duty. never six man tag champions. Um, they could also lose those titles on a road to show. On the road to show because those titles are the least significant in New Japan and then go for the tag titles. But it's just like, to me, it's like Sonata and Evil is one of the most improved wrestlers this year. He headlined a show against Okada for crying out loud. Uh, he, he was great in the G1. I mean, not every match was stellar, but he had some, that match with Okada was freaking awesome. Uh, he's one of the most improved guys, and Sonata, Sonata. Yeah, I mean, Evil's another one of those guys. We talked about excursions earlier. Evil's one of those guys who benefited from uh, doing an excursion of Ring of Honor and then coming back with this evil gimmick and joining Los Ingobernables de Japón. And um, it's really elevated him. Like you mentioned, he had the world title... Uh, main event with Okada and he's really becoming one of the standout members of LIJ yeah so I think we've pretty much was there anything we want to talk about this tag tournament uh, beyond this I think this is about it um, we'll come back next week and we'll go over the finals of the tag league and I'm sure they'll have the the match for Wrestle Kingdom 12 announced so we'll talk about that we'll come back with some match recommendations too guys right. so that those of you who are not actively following it you know we will tell you hey this is worth uh, checking out. I'm sure there have been some... some. There's not going to be anything five stars, but there's going to be something worth checking out. And, I mean, it's that time of the year, so like we talked about. So, yeah. Um, and so there's also another tournament 
a round robin tournament that's going on right now in New Japan, which is called the Young Lions Cup. Um, Josh, kind of explain uh, what the Young Lions Cup is and kind of this the young boy system that they have. Okay. So, yeah, so the, the, the Young Lions Cup is a tournament that they have done um, on and off in Japan. Well, in New Japan specifically over the years. Um, the first Young Lions Cup, let me take a look here. I have to go back. But the first Young Lions Cup was like in the 80s, I believe. And they, they haven't done one since about 2005. Uh, essentially, it's been it's been years. So yeah, 1985 was the first Young Lions Cup. Yeah, 85, and then they did it uh, every year until like 87. Then they picked it back up in the mid 90s until 90. So from 93, 96, it ran, and then they did it again a couple more times in the 2000s. But essentially, in the past, it's been a round robin tournament, sometimes single elimination, but mostly a round robin tournament where young stars like the stars of tomorrow, guys who have gone not strictly in the past. It hasn't strictly been young boys or or young lines, but it's major majorly been made up of guys that have gone through the New Japan Tokyo system and they haven't had any kind of real notoriety. Maybe they just. Um, to, to kind of familiar you guys with what we're talking about here, if you're not familiar, uh, New Japan has a school called the uh, New Japan Dojo. And the guys that come and train there to become wrestlers, they go through a very strict, very regimented um, training system that is also kind of like a wrestling cl- Like when I say uh, class, I don't mean like, you know, what I mean is like a societal class sort of thing. So these guys are the students, essentially. When they come in, not only are they learning how to wrestle, learning the fundamentals and the basics, they also are being taught, um, you know, they they cook for the other wrestlers on the New Japan roster. They do their laundry. They carry their bags. They drive them around. They're responsible for, um, you know, kind of uh, – taking care of the other wrestlers during wrestling matches you'll see these guys in new japan uh like shirts usually like red and white and they 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 sit by ringside because they're there to learn and study the best wrestlers they also will protect the crowd when fights break out and uh go into the crowd they're they're responsible for yeah, like they're pretty much paying really paying their dues before they can become a star and so some of these guys that have that have graduated from the class, right? So they're higher up now. Um, they're ready to make their debuts. Usually when they come onto um, onto the scene, they all wear the exact same. Uh, nothing flashy. They wear black boots, black trunks, no knee pads. If they wear anything else, they have to get it approved. Usually it's. I mean. Um, there's very few guys that are allowed to do anything beyond that. And, and as they – they're always on the opening cards. Or if they do tag, they'll usually tag with like a legend like a, like a Tanahashi or a Nagata, some, someone who's higher up on the card that they can really benefit from. But they always take the loss. Right. And I think like you're mentioning about not having anything extra. I think the only one in this current crop of guys that has anything extra is – is uh, Kitamura, who we talked about earlier. He's got that mouthpiece. Yeah, he has like the, like a wolverine, like a fang, like a vampire fang. Like he's Andre Arlovsky, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so like you mentioned, yeah. And their movesets, too, when they first start, they um, don't really have their own finishing moves to begin with. Uh, many of them, they will just have one submission move that they're allowed to use, like a, a, many times it's a Boston, Boston crab. crab. Yeah, their moveset is very basic. You know, they, they pretty much, you know, 
you can only do these moves on your match. Go out there and do them. And everybody, for the most part, that is a homegrown talent that is in New Japan came up the same way. Okada came up this way. Tanahashi came up this way. Goto, Makabe, all these different guys. And they start out with this. And then what happens is as time goes on, they, they're always in the opening matches. As time goes on, they will start to develop somewhat of a character. Eventually, when they get their first win, which usually takes a while, it's a big moment for them. You'll see character development. They'll add more moves. They'll add a little Wait, bit. Wait, you mean New Japan has character development? <laughs> what? Yeah, they do. Who, who knew? Eventually, what they will do is uh, once they feel like the person is ready, they will send them away from the promotion and they will do a learning excursion, whether it be in an American uh, promotion or they'll go to Europe or they'll go to Mexico. But they will go on a, a, a period of time where they learn and develop a character. Right. And, you know, we've mentioned the excursions a couple times now. Um, they, this has really helped a lot of guys like we mentioned it helped uh, Evil out he did an excursion in Ring of Honor Jay White did an excursion in Ring of Honor uh, Naito he did an excursion in CMLL I mean to, oh yeah 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 Okada and, went to TNA <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that was probably one of the worst excursions ever well the thing is even if um, the, you know like Sho and Yo just came back right and right. they were the Tempora boys and some of these guys don't get when they're when they go across these they're not like booked like superstars or anything like that. They're there to learn. So it's still a humbling experience, but they're developing a character. When they come back to New Japan, A, New Japan already saw the the fan base that's there. They are familiar with who they were before. So it's like they saw them kind of come up, learn, graduate. They went away. So now they're wondering, when are these guys going to come back? And when they come back, there's anticipation for it. Right. They're a new character. They're excited. it's, It's basically like a way to... You know, WWE will bring in someone from outside and it's this big deal or, you know, a company will bring someone from outside. It's a big deal. But in Japan, they bring the guys they bring from the outside are their own guys that they just sent away. It's an ingenious, uh, you know, method of building anticipation for these uh, wrestlers. And every time they come back, it's huge. Like you mentioned Rapungi 3K. Uh, they came back and pretty much their first match. Yeah, with their first match, they... Uh, defeated Funky Future for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions and then they followed that up by winning the uh, Super Junior Tag Team Tournament in the in the same year I don't think anyone else has done that before. right so I mean you know these guys come back they get a huge push they're over you know the fans really loving them but it's believable because they've been tagging for years across you know the globe essentially right. so I mean that's just to give you some background so what happened here was um, in the past, New Japan runs a show called the Young Lions. Uh, uh, what is it called? I'm <laughs> Lionsgate Gate, Project. Yeah, Lionsgate Project. And it kind of started out something similar in ideology to like what NXT was supposed to is or is supposed to be, you know. But it's a show. It's a smaller show. It's one of the smallest shows that they run annually. Usually, there's only a few hundred people there, and um, they they basically uh, highlight and showcase the Young Lion talent. And because when these guys are on the opening shows for like say a Genesis or a King of Pro Wrestling, they that's exposure, but they're jobbing pretty bad. Right. And um, 
I mean, majority of the time when they do get to wrestle on a big show, they're usually in a tag match. You really don't see them in like many singles. many singles matches. If they do have a singles match, it's usually against another young lion. So you really don't get to see much of what they can do. But then at these Lionsgate projects, it's the chance to actually get to see them in one-on-one matches. They did like two or three of them last year. And I think Nagata is... It's not been confirmed, but it seems like Nagata's very heavily involved in it, and he is one of the trainers at the dojo. I think he's, like, maybe even hypothetically booking some of this. Well, um, it it says that Nagata was the one that proposed to bring back the Young Lion Cup. Right, um, and it's in memorial to um, to one of their trainers. Like this past year, they did they've done one, two, three, four, five. Uh, they've already done six Lionsgate projects uh, shows this year, and then the one that's going to be coming up in December will be the seventh. If I can't, did I count right? Seven. It's been a long day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven. So they're putting more emphasis on these on this Young Lions class than maybe they ever have before, and at Young's Young Lionsgate uh, six. I believe it was was it six or was it five? For for which for what you for, for when Nagata said that they should bring back the uh, the uh, Lions Cup. It was the Lionsgate Project Seven. Okay. That he seven. yeah it was July fourth, twenty seventeen. After his match, he said that they should bring back the Young Lions Cup. So, so then at uh, Lionsgate Project Eight is where the Young Lions Cup started. So there's uh, Kotetsu Yomamoto. He was the uh, head trainer for New Japan's dojo, and he passed away. So the idea here is in bringing back the Young Lion Cup, it's a, it's dedicated to the memory of the head trainer of the New Japan dojo, which these guys worked with. So it's very similar to like the Dusty Rhodes Memorial uh, Tag Team Tournament. Um, and the cool thing here is if you look back at some of the winners and participants in previous years, you've got like an 86 Kichi Yamada, who if you're not familiar with that, that's Jushin Thunder Liger. That's the first big like notable win he ever received. Masahiro Chono, he's one of the all-time legends of New Japan. He won in 87. Uh, you know, Satoshi Kojima, obviously we know who Kojima is. He won in 1994. Nakanishi, who's still on the roster, he won in 95. Kenzo Suzuki, of WWE fame won the tournament in 2000 (laughs) Um, and the last one that they had prior to this was in 2005 and none other than Hiroki Goto uh, won that tournament Uh, there was other I believe um Yamamoto, who's also known as Yoshitatsu, was also one of the participants in that. Uh, Yujiro Takahashi. The Tokyo Pimp. Yeah, the Tokyo Pimp. He was in that tournament. So there have been tournaments in the past where some of the top stars have been exposed. So when you watch these young... I've I've heard New Japan fans even who've said, you know, I really like, you know, Omega or like Okada, but I don't like watching the young lions. They're boring. They got no character. They don't... (laughs) understand that when you're watching these guys you are watching what's going to be the headliners for sure at some point of new japan pro wrestling and what i like about the way they do the young lions uh shows and this tournament is pretty much these guys are learning to get over with a very limited skill set so imagine how much more they can get over once they're allowed to have a gimmick and do more. If they can learn to get over wearing black trunks and only doing a Boston Crab, imagine how (laughs) much more over they can get when they can get a gimmick and can do dives and 
flips and dragon suplexes. So that's what I really like about this. Um, this tournament and uh, these shows are kind of they're filmed the same way as the tag league has been filmed. I like them. The single cam shows, but these shows are like you said, much smaller. The crowds pretty much surrounding the ring. There's not going to be any dives, but the crowds pretty much around the ring. And what I love about this, the crowds into it, and the crowd actually knows the names of these young lions and are actually cheering them on. Well, we've seen some of them on the bigger shows too, right? Um, so essentially what's going to happen here, It's a there's six guys. Um, the first three are named Tetsuhiro Yagi, uh, Shota um, Umino, and Ren Narita. These three young lions are some of the younger ones who were included into this uh, tournament. And most, uh, most wrestling fans, even diehards, don't really know them because they just debuted very recently. Um, I did see the. F- I haven't uh, finished the tournament, so there've been. We're at this point. We're uh, uh, two matches into the tournament. I've just seen the first night. Um, Ren Narita uh, wrestled uh, Harai Kawato on the f- opening match. I yeah. thought he was really good. Yeah, he was really good. Very aggressive. Um, but you know, I'm definitely a big fan of Kawato. Um, he's well, he's the standout of. This- he's the standout of this class. But um, I mean, him and Narita did have a, a good match. Um, also, you had um, Kitamura. Um, I think he won against. Uh, and if if and if you're listening, Kitamura Katsuya Kitamura, he's the uh, Japanese Brock Lesnar. We've talked about the the he's the biggest young boy. <laughs> yeah, maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, he won against Unamino. Uh, Yuna, Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. And the thing I like about Kitamura. Um, I mean, he he's learning how to sell. Even though he's big, they're making him sell. In a lot of the matches, he's taking a lot of he's getting beat down a lot. But then he he gets a comeback and he pretty much does all the best big man moves there there are. He's hitting spears and winning matches with jackhammers. Um, so yeah, I think he's pretty awesome. I'll tell you what, right now. Uh He's not the, you know, he isn't as big as Kitamura, and he's, and if you guys are, we haven't really gone into it, but Kawato is, uh, Kawato essentially is like the, the head senpai for the Young Lions class, so he's the senior member of the Young Boys, basically, so all the other, even though he's still a Young Lion and a Young Boy himself, the rest of them look up to him, and he's in charge of uh, some of the training duties, things like that. And, and he's a really flashy wrestler. He's and he usually gets some good spots in big shows. Um, a power struggle, I want to say he was like in a 10-man uh, tag. With yeah, they defeated Suzuki Gun. Yeah. He wrestled with uh, Robinson and Liger, yeah, he, Tiger Mask. Yeah, he wrestled like the team to do team... Taguchi guys. He was in the um, uh, Super Junior tags this year, so he's already getting a push, uh, you know, and he's teamed with like uh, Hanare, pe- people like that. But um, what I was going to say is Oka, Tomoyuki Oka. Yes, I actually watched one of his matches before I got here. That was match of the night for that for that first uh, Young Lions Project, uh, Lions Project 8. Uh, the match that he had was awesome, and uh, kind of looking back into Oka, he's like this guy's got a background in judo, karate, sambo, kickboxing, pancreation, jujitsu, MMA. So he does it all, and you can tell in the ring by the way he moves. He's, I uh, he he reminds me of many of the strong style wrestlers. 
that we have come to learn and love. You know, he does remind me somewhat of like a, you know, like a Nagata or like a uh, like a Goto or yeah. Shibata. Yeah. So I mean, those like uh, Oka, Kitamura, and Kawado—they're the top three guys in this class. Um, and right now in the tournament, all three of them have uh, they're tied with four points apiece. Um, so I think it's definitely going to come down to the one of those uh, two to come down to the finals. I, I was going to say I do. Some of these guys are in the tag tournament, I believe. Uh, are any of them in the tag? Yes, Kitamura's team double for David Finley. I would have really liked personally, um, instead of having one of like Kitamura tag with Dave Finley, to have him with like a Hanare or a Kawato. Just so that there could be this team that takes falls the whole time. Right. And and we can be like, are they ever gonna pull one out? Right. That would to me, that would have been almost more exciting than putting them in a team where it's like Dave Finley, we're supposed to believe that they can win, but we know they're not, but that kind of sucks for Dave Finley and Kid Moore doesn't need it. I would have rather seen him just take falls with like Kawato or, or Hanari or something. Right. Like that. Yeah, him and David Finley is a really random team. But they're a good team. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, their matches are good. So I'm not knocking that. It's just I think Dave Finley should be David Finley should be doing more. Definitely. At this point, he everyone thought he was gonna be the breakout like a breakout guy, and Juice Robinson kind of got that breakout this year instead of him. Um with this being said Everything that's on the basically what's on the line here with the Young Lion Cup is it's a single block limit. It's a single block tournament. There's six guys, so they're each gonna wrestle each other. That means there's gonna be five matches for you know each each guy, and um, it's very similar to the tag league rules we we laid out with the points. And at the end of it, there's not gonna be a finals the way that there is in the G1. There's just going to be whoever has the most points wins the tournament, which many tournaments in Japan run this way. However, if there's any sort of tie, they will do a tiebreaker finale. Um, So this tournament is, when is it ending, Jeremy? This tournament, isn't it ending? um, Is that Lionsgate Project? Oh, December 21st at Lionsgate Project Number 10. Okay. So right now, we're at the time of this recording, we're still in the middle of the um, World Tag League. And so two of the matches, two of the, the nights have already occurred for the uh, Young Lions Cup, which leaves us with two more to go before the final night. So what they're doing is the last two nights of the World Tag League, I believe it's the last two nights, they're actually going to have um, nights three and four of the um, Young Lions Cup and then the fifth, you know, the fifth final matches that they're going to determine everything for everyone will take place at the Young Lions Project 10. Yeah, at uh, December 21st, yep. So with that being said, um, I assume there's no way that all three of the guys that are in the lead right now can have have a three-way tie, but I'm guessing that we will end up with some sort of tie and either at... That either on that night at the uh, Lionsgate project, they will have a tiebreaker that evening as a uh, impromptu final, or we are gonna get some sort of maybe show opener at Wrestle Kingdom. That's my prediction: is we'll get some sort of Wrestle Kingdom opener with like I could easily see see either like it being a uh, Oka Kawato. Yeah, finale. I think the best match, the best finale would be uh, Kawato versus Oka. But it, I, the, these guys are all going to have already wrestled each other at that point. We could even end up with a three-way tie, I suppose, if if uh, instead of everyone going undefeated, if uh, they just ended up with, like, 
five points each or six points each. Right. Um, and then they all lose one match, then we could end up with like a triple threat between Kuato, Kitamura, and Oka. And that would be a really cool way to get one of these guys some notoriety coming out of the Young Lions Cup, kind of making this another, uh, you know, tournament that gives someone a push. You know, that's really cool. Yeah, so we'll definitely be keeping you guys updated on the uh, Young Lions Cup. Um, it, so far, if you... Um, are wanting to go back and check anything out from this uh i think in our coverage we've only covered young uh young lions cup number eight or the lions project eight i should say the match of the night uh kawato versus narita the opening match really good um kitamore versus yagi wasn't quite as good but it was still these were easy yeah. to watch. Yeah, and it was, I mean, for, for the Kitamura match, it's definitely for me. It was always it's just interesting seeing the guy so big selling. Yeah, um, and then the Oka Umino match was that one went about ten minutes. That was uh, to me the match of the night. Really, yeah. really, really good match. Uh, Oka beat Umino with the young boy Boston Crab, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we we still got to catch up on Project Nine, and then as we're covering the tag league. We'll give you guys updates on where we stand with the uh, this project as well. And then another show that we wanted to talk about um, is Ring of Honor Final Battle, which will be happening um, Friday, December 15th. Um, and there, you know, the reason we're covering Ring of Honor is because of the partnership that they have with New Japan. And there will be a lot of New Japan guys that are wrestling on this Ring of Honor uh, final battle card. You know, final battle is uh, pretty much Ring of Honor's big year-end pay-per-view that they do every year. Um, let me let me ask you something right yeah, now. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm on the um, <laughs> I'm on the Wikipedia page, and there's going to be a six-man tag with uh, Bullet Club members. Is this the official name of the six-man tag of Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, and Adam Page? Are they officially called the Hung Bucks? Yes, they are the Hung Bucks. <laughs> oh my because God. Um, if you watch Being the Elite, you know Adam Hangman Page has been doing this gimmick where he's Adam Hung man page and they always do these funny things where he acts like he's going to talk about the size of his package when he's really talking about some of the random object and uh, so yeah they, there are hung buck shirts and that is their official name of their six man team so um, looking looking at this card right now and I again I don't follow Ring of Honor I'm very familiar with all these guys I've seen a lot of their work but looking at it right now there's one two three Four, five, six, seven. Of the eight matches that are there, seven of them now, a lot of it is ring. People are going to say, oh, it's Ring of Honor talent. It's true, but seven of them are with teams or guys that are heavily, heavily featured in New Japan. In New Japan. Yeah. Some of them are signed there. Starting with the main event of the show, it's for the ROH World Championship. Uh, you have the ROH World Champion, the American Nightmare Cody. Um, which could be said to be the leader of the, you know, American Bullet Club. Um, and he's taking on the number one contender, Dalton Castle. Um, I just love that Cody um, 
is always in a suit. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I've been watching Ring of Honor since we've been to that taping, and he always is coming out with a velvet suit. He has a cigar. He has the literal Ring of Honor that he wears <laughs> on his finger that he makes people kiss. I uh, what what I like about it is. It's like, you know, everyone was talking about, like, Jinder, when he had the title, how much prestige he brought to it because he wore the, the suits and everything, and he always carried the belt. And, you know, you always hear about how the NWA champion always presents himself like a champion. And I think, like, it's what Cody's doing, but in a satirical manner, because he's always hanging out with the the Bullet Club, and they're, right. they're, they're dressed up in street clothes, and then he's got a three-piece on. Yeah, and I think it's his crowd reaction to me has also been very interesting because even though he is in the Bullet Club, um, the Ring of Honor diehard fans are not not all of them are a hundred percent sold. Us, they're starting uh, to be though. Yeah, they're starting to be like because originally it was a mixed reaction. He is starting to get more chairs than booze, but he does do a good job being a heel because the Bullet Clubs, believe it or not, they are supposed to be heels. Um, and so he plays that up, and you know there are some fans who just think he's a WWE guy that shouldn't be in Ring of Honor or New Japan. But man, he's, he's a risk taker, man. He's definitely stepped his game up. He's to- a risk taker, man. I, I, my hat's off to him. I, I liked Cody when he was the IC champion. Uh, I, I was a big fan of the dashing Cody Rhodes. <laughs> but we were in, uh, we were in Lakeland. We we actually were there live for the TV taping where they did the uh, the signing for this match. And you know, had Dalton Castle is an awesome talent. He's one of the guys that I thought would already have gone to WWE and be in. Uh, he'd be one of those NXT guys sitting at ringside for a special. But um, we saw the contract signing for this match. Yes, and it was pretty pretty good actually. <laughs> Yeah, we also saw, um, you know, they had the uh, they had they did like a eight man or a ten man tag thing where Dalton and Cody had to draw their partners out of a uh, you know out of a bag or whatever, and they had like a bunch of random partners for their team. Oh, is that what the gimmick was? Yeah, I didn't understand the gimmick. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they each picked like five or four like random people out of a hat. Did they do that while we were there, or is that just what's gonna happen? I think this was gonna happen off on camera. Yeah, on TV on they'll TV. they'll okay. do like a backstage segment. I was wondering why all those skills. <laughs> it was it, it was like uh, Survivor Series, the wild card match. Right. Um, and so the next matchup, we have a dream match, a non-title, uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, the villain Marty Squirrel, uh, Marty Skrull versus Jay Lethal. That should be a solid match. That that has uh, match of the night written all over it. Yeah, that could easily be match of the night. Uh, Marty Skrull is a guy that's really making a name for himself this year with the stuff he's been last doing. Last year, too. Last, yeah. It kind of started end of last year and then this year he's been really hot with the stuff that he's been doing in the UK and in Ring of Honor and New Japan yeah like I, I think right now he's the what culture pro wrestling world champion yeah. and the IWGP junior heavyweight champion yeah he won the junior heavyweight title at the power struggle event uh, he beat Will Ospreay which is the running story between those two is he always beats Will Ospreay um, and that was Will Ospreay's first defense of the junior title there, there's several guys in this card too that have been featured in New Japan Jay Lee is one of them he he hasn't in any of the times he's been there really connected with the new japan crowd as and i don't know if he'll be coming back in the future or not but he is one of the guys he 
hasn't connected there yet, but he's awesome. Right. I think if he had more time, if he had, was there on a more regular basis, he, should he do, could they easily. They should bring him in for G1, man. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, you know, Briscoe's and Bully Ray, are, the Briscoes are wrestling Bully Ray and Tom, Tommy Dreamer. We saw the angle for that match, too. Yeah. Briscoes are another guy. They came over. They held the six-man tags. Were they the IWGP heavyweight champions, too? Yeah, they were. Yes, they were. Uh, they don't. They have really don't connect in Japan. Uh, you know, they, but they're a great team. Which is surprise. I think that they would connect because they're kind of. They can at times wrestle that kind of like vicious style. And those Japanese crowds are dead for everything that they've. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's another match that's happening. We saw the angle for that. I mean, yeah. That's supposed to be. You know, it's, I think that's gonna end up basically being a hardcore match essentially. Pretty much. Um, we got a ROH World Tag Team Title match. Uh, the champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Um, they're defending against the best friends who we talked about earlier, Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T. That should be a very good match. I've always loved the Motor City Machine Guns from their TNA days. They're awesome. Um, Love the best friends. This is going to be a high-flying back-and-forth match. I wouldn't be surprised to see the best friends win the titles here. Speaking of high-flying, they've got Will Ospreay on the card, uh, who won... No, he didn't. He did not win the uh, best of the Super Juniors no. this year, but he was a finalist. Yeah, he uh, he did hold the uh, junior title this year, though. Yes, he beat Kushida. Um, he's maybe outside of Ricochet the best high flyer in the world. He might still be the best high flyer in the world. He's going to be going up against Matt Taven on the card. Um, so that's that's an, they got a lot of. Um, Really athletic, like high flying matches. Going yeah, on with this and, card. and of course another high flying match. The they have the ROH uh, World Six Man Titles on the line. The six man tag champions are Adam Page and the Young Bucks, uh, the Hung Bucks, and they are taking on the team of Flip Gordon, Dragon Lee, and Teton. That's um, that's going to be what what uh, many wrestling fans refer to as a spot fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to be flips and super kicks that whole match, but it's going to be amazing. We saw Flip Gordon versus Hangman Page. Oh, dude, Hangman Page is a high flyer. That dude's doing uh, uh, the shooting, shooting star. star yes. Like he's like he's Prince Puma out here. Or yeah, something. he does the shooting star um, shoulder block thing off the apron. He's been doing that during the tag league. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, let's just... <laughs> Say, be very clear here. This guy should not be doing that stuff. Not because he can't do it, but because he's a heel. He's a heel. <laughs> Jim Cornette style. Um, so, yeah. Flipping, flopping, uh, super kicks is what you can expect from that match. If you don't know, uh, Dragon Lee and Teton, uh, I believe they're from CMLL, right? They they are. Teton is awesome. Dragon Lee, obviously. Dragon Lee is another guy who um, we actually almost considered him for Junior of the Year. But right. he wasn't in New Japan enough this year. But, man, he had that awesome match with, I mean, obviously every match he's had with Takahashi. Yeah, it's been amazing. Over the last, like, two, what, three years? Um, all the, From Japan to Ring of Honor to New Japan, or, you know, from CMLL. Right. But uh, Dragon Lee, if you haven't seen Dragon Lee, and this, this is an awesome pay-per-view to catch him. Uh, same thing with Teton. Uh, so, I mean, this is these are six guys that are all high flyers, even yeah. even Hangman Page. And like we mentioned, you know, I was really impressed with Flip Gordon. I've never really saw him in action or really heard of him until recently. And we had he had an awesome match with Hangman Page at the I, when tapings. When I heard of Flip Gordon, I just thought of, like, Flash Gordon. So I thought of, like, <laughs> like the villains, like some wrestler from, like, the 1950s. Like, I don't know. It just sounds – that name Flip Gordon just sounds, like, very old school to 
me. Yeah, and uh, Flip Gordon's also featured in the Being the Elite uh, YouTube series. He's got to come to Japan. Yeah. Um, and then we didn't cover the Addiction is also wrestling War Machine. Yes. Yes. And uh, we did see the angle where they were cutting the beard off. Of, was it Roe? Uh, Hanson. Hanson. Okay. I always mix them up. But yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, if you know, you know, the addiction or bad influence, whatever you want to call them, you know, that's the team of Frankie Kazarian and uh, Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels has been in New Japan in the past. It's yes. been a while. Yeah. But uh, um, he did the, he was also a curry man in uh, right. Japan. Curry man. Um, another matchup they have the RH World TV title is going to be on the line in a four corners elimination match. Uh, Shane Taylor against uh, the last real man, Silas Young, against Punishment Martinez versus the TV champ, Kenny King. You know, the last pay per view that they did, Ring of Honor, which was, uh, well, what was it, Glo- before Global Wars? Is that when, when, when was it that Cody put uh, Daniels through that flaming table? That was at the um, Death Before, Death Before Dishonor. Dishonor that happened the same weekend of uh, TakeOver Houston Survivor Series. Okay. Really? Because Cody wrestled Minoru Suzuki for the title on that. When did he put him through the table? No, that was uh, Christopher Daniels that he put through the table. Who did that, I say? Uh, Suzuki. No, so, I, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, Daniels, not Suzuki. Oh, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, uh, Death Before Dishonor it wasn't a pay-per-view it was like a house show oh he put him through a table at a house show yeah why did they do that I mean it's gonna be video on demand but it wasn't a, a pay-per-view show gotcha so I, I've been confused this whole time I was like when, when did that happen what pay-per-view and <laughs> yeah cause Ring of Honor ran uh, a couple shows in Texas that same weekend as TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series. And uh, Cody and Christopher Daniels had a, I guess, a hardcore match or some kind of match where Cody put Daniels through a flaming table. So, so I'll say this, you know, I haven't followed Ring of Honor in years. Though, and even back in the day when I was, I was, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I was probably 18 in 06. I was, you know, in my teenage years in like 05, 04, 03 when they were in their renaissance. But everyone, if you listen, if you read the Aftermags, if you listened to Dave Meltzer, you knew that Ring of Honor was the premier indie. I mean, it was the super indie of super indies back in the day. And so there's this nostalgia of the time period when, you know, guys like McGinnis and Daniel Kenta, Bryan. Yeah. Bryan, uh, Cesaro, Chris Hero. AJ, AJ Styles was there. Uh, Samoa, Samoa Joe. Joe had, you know, probably their best uh, title reign. Brody CM Punk Lee. So um, people say nowadays that it's not as good as it was then. And they're probably right. It probably is not what it was at that given time but top to bottom when you look at these cards and the tv that they're putting out this is maybe the best american promotion today right and i mean ring of honor is another one of these promotions their pay-per-views always have very solid matches there's usually nothing below three stars on their pay-per-views i'm like reading and you know what the last ring of honor pay-per-view that i caught like in full was uh the pay-per-view, I forget when, like, what the name of it was, but it was when uh, I actually bought it, like a mark. <laughs> I paid pay-per-view money to see uh, Jay Briscoe versus uh, 
Jay uh, Lethal. Jay Lethal to unify the belts. Yes. That was an awesome pay-per-view. I think that was a final battle also. It was final battle. Yeah, it was. And I paid for that. I sat at my mom's uh, my mom's house by myself. No one, I tried to get James and Rich to come over and watch it with me. And they're like, why would we watch that? And I was like, I'm paying for it. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, this is a monumental moment. Jay Lethal just unified all the belts. <laughs> well, I'm actually thinking about ordering this uh pay-per-view and we should uh we gotta get, find a way to watch this at some point because this is uh yeah. it's looking really good I yeah mean, the last pay-per-view they they, they brought him Minoru suzuki to wrestle cody rhodes which is, right i mean that's awesome and cody's also wrestled uh sonata um i feel like there was one other new japan guy that well he, he's gonna be wrestling who uh abushi at the tokyo Dome yes in, yeah that's in, who i'm thinking in, about uh january so i mean they're adding prestige to the Ring of Honor Championship, but you, one thing I'm wondering is when are we gonna get a Bullet Club versus Lij Six Man Tag Championship versus Six Man Tag Championship? Because that's gotta happen at I'm, some point. I'm sure that's gotta be happening sometime in 2018. I just want to see like one of. The, I just want to see like uh, I don't know like uh, who's what's the young boy for uh, for the Bullet Club? What's his name? Um, he's 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 in the tag tournament right now. Chase he's, Owens. I just want to see t- Chase Owens walking around with like six title belts, like he's a uh, Ultimo Dragon, or <laughs> <laughs> just carrying all their belts Ultimate, for them. Yeah. Oh well, man. So yeah. I think that that covers like the main stuff. There was just some brief news that we wanted to just touch on while you know before we go here. So um, you know, Omega's contract is up in January. Um, I've read uh. You know, back, I think it was in November, they were asking him about what, what he planned to do. And from what he was saying in every single interview, he's not anticipate he's not planning to leave New Japan. And they've got him booked uh, for the U.S. show next year and for the Ring of Honor show next year. So. And he's on the Jericho cruise, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, at this point in time, there is no indication that Kenny Omega is going to be leaving New Japan. However, with that being said, last year we went through the whole lottery phase where we didn't know what he was going to do off the the heels of that five, that six star match that he had in the Tokyo Dome with Okada. Um, he said that the reason he wants to stay in New Japan is wrestlers are allowed to be themselves; they're allowed to perform. He wants to take it to the next level. I think ultimately he wants to be the guy that they get behind. However. Is there a possibility, and you can tell me what you think, Jeremy, is there a possibility at any point that if they don't get behind him the way that they should, that he could go for greener pastures and a more lucrative contract in the WWE? I definitely think there's a chance, and you know, wrestling Jericho and becoming friends with Jericho, Jericho might convince him that he needs to go to WWE, and you know, Yes, part of what Jericho says is a work, but Jericho is one of those guys that believes that if you don't wrestle in WWE on the big stage, that whatever you've done outside is not as big as anything you can do in WWE. So that Jericho influence might have some deci- uh, way well, on his some decision. Truth to that. that is, yeah, I mean it's the biggest North American promotion. Um, that being said, I. I still think there's a good chance Omega might stay just because he's one of these guys that likes to have the creative outlet. He's not one of these guys that's going to want to be handed a script for their promo. But he lives and, in Japan. And being told, yeah, and being told what they, what he should be doing in his matches. So I think that he will stick it out with New Japan. He really, 
believes in that brand. He wants to be the face of that brand. And I think he will do everything he can to get in that spot. But like if you mention, if they do not get behind him, if he's not if he does not eventually win the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, I, I mean, well, I mean, it, it would be a good idea to consider going to WWE. The other thing, you know, to consider with that is we've got Wrestle Kingdom coming up. The next year is New Year's Dash. New Year's Dash is always a, a, a show that is going to basically set off the storylines going into New Beginning and then into the New Japan Cup. But in between those shows is uh, Fantastic Mania and there's a lot of off time and so we have to really be on the lookout to see what happens with the Jericho match and then what happens at New Year's Dash we all know that when Nakamura left two years ago they did that angle um, where they beat Nakamura at New Year's Dash in the tag match and then he turned on AJ Styles and got rid of both those guys right um so there's going to be eyes on Kenny come New Year's Dash the following day to see what is going to happen because January 31st is going to pa- come and pass before the new beginning shows and before the new uh, New Japan Cup. And so we really don't – it's just like they always say in wrestling, you never say never. Yeah. And we don't really – no one – except for Kenny Omega, no one really knows what this guy is actually for real going to do. I don't see him leaving, but – at the end of the day, that's one of the stories we're going to be tracking. Uh, another one is the Indian TV deal that New Japan just uh, signed. Maybe they should uh, sign General Mahal. <laughs> I heard he's a big draw over there. So they just signed um, a TV deal. Uh, let me look this up because uh, from what I understand, it's not necessarily the biggest uh, – Indian television deal or anything like that. It's D Sport, which is apparently it's a brand new like sports channel in India. Okay. But um, there's gonna basically about seven. They're gonna be broadcasting about seventy million homes across. Wow. Um, to put that in perspective, though, like Comet, which uh, shows and I'm not like a um, sociologist. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't track. You know, I'm not Dave Meltzer. I don't track like TV ratings and have all the understanding of all that. I don't know what the what the viewer um, habits of Indian people are with that in India specifically. But I should say Indian nationals, probably more like yeah. politically correct. But um, like Comet is in 75 million homes based or like Pop TV brings impact to like 70 million homes in the U.S. And then like uh, USA brings uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown to about 95 million homes in viewership. So 70 million is nothing to snuff your nose at, especially since um, just the fact that they're going to be exposed to a whole new market. And I think WWE is trying to get into that market too. So the fact that New Japan just signed a, a deal on a new sports network to uh, be shown to people over there. I mean, yeah, definitely a big deal. And that's just part of that global expansion that we've been talking about. Um, and then aside from that, if you are on the, um, if you are a, a subscriber to New Japan World, you have access to all the awesome shows that are on there. But weekly, they always will, t- and they're trying to do this to bring in new fans. They put out a free match or a free video every week. And this past week, they put out, um, and by the time this airs, it'll have already been a couple weeks, but they put out the um, Wrestling Observer 
newsletter, match of the year for, I believe it was 2015, or maybe it was 2014? 20, I think 2015, I think. It was, yeah, 2015, because AJ Styles debuted in 2016. All right. AJ Styles versus Minoru Suzuki from the G1 Climax. I think it was night 14. I could be wrong. I'll have to go back. But that was um, rated four, four and three quarters, I believe, by Dave. But most people rated it at five, and it got match of the year. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, you want to sample this New Japan content and, and you're still kind of leery about all the good stuff we've been saying and everybody else says. They give you a free match every week. They give you a match of the year. <laughs> yeah, not just like any, you know, a three-star World Tag League match. They're giving you a big, you know, near five-star world title match what's free. AJ's, what's AJ's best match in WWE? The Roman match or the Cena match? Probably the Cena match. Okay. So, if you are an AJ Styles fan and you like his work in WWE and that's all you've seen, you haven't seen him in Japan, his work in Japan is better than his work in WWE. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds. Um, no, and that's not a knock on his WWE work because he's been yeah. the best wrestler it's in the, just, he's the like, last two years. And that New Japan run is pretty much what got him noticed by WWE because, you know, if you know AJ Styles, he was, you know, the, the face of TNA for that whole run there and after leaving TNA WWE had no interest in him then he goes to New Japan for two years and he's the hottest you know wrestler on the planet so with that being said the, uh, I believe his match with probably Nakamura in my book the, the, his final match he did at Wrestle Kingdom is maybe probably his best but in my book anyways there are many people who disagree with me most people uh, and I'm in the minority, but most people, the majority, think his match with Suzuki from uh, that G1 is his best New Japan match. And he had a lot of four and three quarter to five star matches while he was there. Um, I've heard Dave say, Dave Melter say that uh, this match wouldn't even be in the top 10 of this year. I don't know that I agree with that. But, but I mean, when we were doing our match of the year candidates, we literally had. 10 <laughs> yeah i mean the list matches. is ridiculously long of just quality quality stuff but if you haven't not seen aj styles versus minoru suzuki and you like new japan or you like aj styles and you like free which we all do you need to check that match out right it's uh i think it's 25 minutes so it's yeah. not even it's a, it'll feel like it's 12 it's it Awesome, awesome, awesome match. Don't be an ignorant idiot like Disco Inferno and not know who Minoru Suzuki is. Wait, learn, learn. Suzuki doesn't, or uh, Disco Inferno said he didn't know who Minoru Suzuki was? Yeah, he, there was this whole thing um, pretty much on Twitter. Somebody posted a gif of Suzuki against, I forget who he was. They were doing like the strong style palm strikes and Disco said so they look like sissy strikes. <laughs> And he didn't know who Minoru Suzuki was. And, yeah, it was just this whole crazy thing that happened. And um, so, yeah, don't be like Disco Inferno. Learn about Minoru Suzuki. Watch this match against AJ Styles. Um, shout out to Bad Luck Fale. He, uh, this just dropped today that he opened up a dojo in uh, New Zealand. 
Um, it's going to be uh, pro wrestling. So shout out to the underboss. <laughs> the underboss of uh, the Bullet Club. He, um, who I think, you know, sometimes Bad Luck Valley can be pretty bad, but for a guy his size, he's awesome. He's, yeah. I mean, just by looking at him, I was like, oh, this guy's going to be trash. But he actually does have decent matches. And even in the G- I loved his Tanahashi match in the yes, G1. Yes, in the G1, he does perform very well. I thought he should have gone over on, ta- on Tanahashi in that match, but whatever. Yeah, that would have been a big win for him but yeah he's a big guy who can work and he does have decent matches I mean but there's there's a renaissance going on in Australia I think Okada actually I we uh, this is other news I would have to get more details but Okada just uh, did a show in uh Australia, Right. And uh, Will Ospreay has been talking about moving to Australia. Yeah, he's talking about moving there. He's been uh, touring there. And there's apparently all these uh, talented wrestlers that we don't even know about or have been exposed to. And New Japan is in talks, from what I understand, with maybe bringing some of these guys or even doing a partnership. So it's really awesome. Um, and, you know, Bad Luck Valet is down there. He's trying to get back to the business. And his dojo is going to be wrestling center. They also have a striking coach who uh, I'd have to look up who that was. But apparently it's a... A very accomplished, like former, like world, like level, like elite level, like uh, martial artist. So I mean, you know, if you live, I don't know. We're hoping at some point, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, we assume many of you are going to be American, uh, but you know, hopefully, we get international people. We've got several people in our group that are over from that area. So you know, uh, check out the the wrestling school. Yeah, at, at Joe Saba and our Joe Saba. Let, let, let us know about what's the Australia scene looking like, man. Is Wilson Zerzula? I believe. Shout out! I think that guy is also from uh, New Zealand, if I remember. Okay. I could be wrong. I'll find out the name, <laughs> okay. but we'll shout him out when we find out his name. So that's pretty cool. And then um, I guess just to close out the show, uh, and we'll just talk about this very briefly. There's been speculation, um, you know, out there that in 2018 there are talks that New Japan may be doing a new faction. Which is uh, pretty big. When you start watching New Japan, you will learn that they love factions. There are a ton of factions right now. You have Chaos, Bullet Club, LIJ, uh, Suzuki Gun, Team Taguchi Japan. Um, did, I, did I miss any? I think I mean, that's those. Think, those are the big factions, and so the so the thing here is in the past, New Japan has a has always had factions because we talked about this earlier in the show how there's it's very tag team centric on their main on like their their everyday house shows with that being the case they don't have a lot we've talked also about how the tag team division has kind of sucked over the years so how do they make up how do they have all these tag team matches if the tag team division the center tag teams isn't the focus it's because they are always putting in putting together these, these combinations factions. of factions and that's you'll get you know six man tag eight man tag ten man tags because the factions are that big exactly so with that being the case you know um, the Bullet Club at this point uh, they in America are killing it on merchandise but in storyline and they're kind of bloated very similar to like how the NWO was they can't almost afford to bring in new members right LIG at this point is probably the hottest uh, act 
in New Japan as far as like the factions are concerned. Chaos, which at one point was the most dominant healed uh, faction, has taken a backseat to every, everybody else. They have top stars, but as a faction, the cent- the, the central focus is kind of off them. And then, um, you know, Minoru Suzuki came back from his from that run that they did in Noah, brought Suzuki gun in, and they haven't really gotten over. In the beginning, it was awesome. Right, that New Year's dash, New Year's dash angle, angle was, was awesome. awesome. But they didn't haven't really taken off this year. They've kind of been relegated to being like mid card to like jobber status. Right. I mean Suzuki's been feuding with Toroyano all year. <laughs> and then they brought in and then uh, you know, um Taguchi has his team which is mainly made up of the Seki gun. If you're familiar with what Seki gun means, it just means all the other guys who are not affiliated with any faction over the year they've been teaming with Taguchi and then eventually Taguchi gave a name to that called Taguchi Japan and it's a rotating roster of face into like when I say face I mean baby face individuals who will team up to face all these heel factions with him but they're a comedy team for the most part right and Taguchi pretty much considers himself the coach of the faction and uh, Taguchi he's a very good wrestler but he, he does he does do a lot of comedy spots in his match and he does a lot of hip attacks um, so the the talk is a couple things one that New Japan wants to focus more on uh, homegrown talent because a lot of these factions are made up of gaijin um, kind of and then the other thing too is that they need more face talent that can be taken as like a serious opposition to LIJ because LIJ let's face it no matter what the fans say LIJ are, are heels Bullet Club are heels and Chaos are heels no Chaos are faces Chaos are not faces that's Okada's isn't Okada a baby face Okada's not a baby he's face he's not it's New Japan. They don't hold strict to that, but Chaos has always been heels. But I, I but I feel like Chaos has been feuding with Lij though. Yeah, because it's because it's faction warfare. But at the end of the day, like they're not baby faces. They started as a heel group. If anything, I know they started as a heel group, but I feel they they're didn't turn. I feel like they're a face group. They're tweeners, if anything. Toro Yanu cheats all the time. Ishii is not a face. Well, Ishii is not a face. He's not a face. What's not a face, man? What? Dude. So anyway, <laughs> with this being the case, they are trying there's rumors that in 2018 there will be a focus we don't know all the, all the details yet, but there's been internal discussions that there will be a face Japanese uh, faction that is going to be developed. We don't know more than that, but that's, you know, kind of something to look out for. Just keep your eyes peeled if you start seeing, you know, some of these some of these guys grouping together in tag teams, you, that might be an indicator with the storyline that something might happen. Plus, you know, you never know. Some of the we might see that the does the dissolvement of some of these other I can right. see Suzuki gun breaking up easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like you mentioned, yeah, Bullet Club is really big right now and probably should get rid of some members. Um, maybe we can even see a split between Bullet Club and that creates another faction somehow. Well, I'm waiting for the Cody Omega match. Well, they're like best friends now. Well, I'm waiting for the Cody Omega match. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we are recording right now. Um, it is December 1st. This show is going to drop. What day is that going to be, Jeremy? December 12th. Okay, so that's Tuesday. So every you guys can look forward to every Tuesday hearing from uh, Keeping It Strong Style, um, the Ace of Podcasts. And on December the 15th, we will be dropping a bonus episode. We're going to be doing our year-end award um, preview. So not the not the actual announcement, but we're going to be going over the categories, the different um, – you know, uh, it won't be too in depth, but we'll be uh, going over all the different candidates, um, the things that happened throughout the year. Yeah, to help you kind of decide if you're new to New Japan, you want to vote. Uh, this show will kind of help you decide, will inform you about all the nominees and help you if you're voting. And um, we will be, um, as of December 1st, here in the next few weeks, maybe even the next few days, we're going to be dropping um, our award uh, list, so our survey. We're going to be dropping it on, like, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Reddit. We'll be dropping it on different forums. Um, right. In our Facebook group, the Wrestling, Wrestling Squared, Squared Circle. Circle. You can follow at uh, follow our show at KI Strong Style on Twitter. We'll be dropping it there. The Social Suplex Twitter page, at Social Suplex and the Facebook page, facebook.com slash social suplex. You'll find the survey. We, we want you guys to vote. We want to see what, right. you know, I know what I think my favorite match of the year was or who my favorite wrestler was or I know who I think was the best tag team. But, but we want to interact with you guys. We, we want, want you guys. to be part of the show. We want everybody's voice to be heard. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you uh, don't... Man, don't mess up our, our awards. Don't <laughs> do not do Oh, crap. People are going to do satirical, whatever. It's right. Fine. But, um, yeah, we're going to be dropping that. So, you know, give us a holler. Also, hit us up. If you guys got suggestions for the show, questions, uh, you know, things you want to hear from us, anything like that. Right. If you want to, you know, if you want to contribute to the show in somehow, you know, we're open to it. Let us right. know. Definitely. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can find me in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. Um, we're still working on getting the young boy on social media. You uh, can hit me up. All you got to do is go to my tag team partner, Jeremy Donovan, and say, hey, this is for the young boy, <laughs> Joshua Smith. <laughs> um, right. But um, was there any that, – that covers everything that yeah, we got for this show. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Make sure you – are subscribed to the Social Suplex Podcast Network so you can keep catching our show, One Nation Radio, SMC Podcast, The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, and One Nation Live. Make sure you leave us a rating and review, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye and good night. Bang! Bang, bang. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.